Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And we're in a series called 12 Baskets, exploring how in a world of not enough, you can actually have more than enough. With me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? I'm great, Jim. How are you? Jay, have you ever heard the phrase, feeding the 5,000? I have. Of course you have. I think almost everyone has who speaks the English language. It's drawn right out of a story of Jesus Mm -hmm. 20 centuries ago, where he is claimed to have taken a few loaves of bread and a two small fish and fed a crowd of thousands. And that was a supernatural event. And the multiplication of loaves and fishes, another kind of phrase, a a signature, a shorthand for that story, has become embedded in us. Even people who don't believe that Jesus is is real understand the phrase and what it means. Well, for these weeks on Viewpoint, we're talking about how this world sometimes just doesn't seem to have enough. Have you ever found yourself in a place, Jay, where... You're just not sure what to do because there's just not enough, not enough time or not enough money or not enough energy. It can happen every day if you let it. And uh, that's part of what I do in, in some of my mission work with those who don't have a home or enough to eat. And so it's kind of the thread that runs through my, my everyday life is we're always looking for uh, more to meet some certain needs. So, yeah, I think that um, everyone can identify that uh, with that at some level. And we sometimes think that other people have enough. We just don't have enough. Exactly. So there's that whole one percenter thing. Sure. One percent have too much and we don't have enough and so on. But we're here to talk about how you can have more than enough, apart from the political and economic structures of our world, uh, apart from all the ways in which you may have framed your life, we want you to know that the one who made you knows you and is able to provide for you more than enough. In fact, Jesus came into this world to give life and life abundantly, not just in meager portions, not just enough, but more than enough, abundantly. And today we're going to dive into a story in Jesus' life, Jay, you and me, from John's Gospel that talks about how Jesus can make more than enough even in a desperate minute. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. with the sinner's heart You lead us by still waters and to mercy And nothing can keep us apart
In John's Gospel, we have John, one of the 12 disciples, we believe, writing this record of an historic moment. Famous, it's called, the first miracle of Jesus in Cana of Galilee. Cana is right. a little town in a province of ancient uh, Palestine called Galilee. And in John chapter 2, we have this story that's more famously understood as turning water into wine, another kind of shorthand that people mm-hmm. realize, oh, a miraculous uh, turn of events, turning the water into wine, the impossible done. I'm going to start reading, Jay, in John chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. I'll read down to verse 5. Pick it up from there. Sounds good. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother's told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Picking up in verse 6, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. It's a story etched in history, the most famous wedding of all time. And it actually has birthed another kind of trade phrase in the English language. Have you ever heard, save the best for last? Yes. It comes right out of here, where people normally give the best first, but in this case, Jesus saw that the best was saved for last. Mm. So much we could plumb here, but mm. as I think about my life, and man, sometimes I don't feel like I have enough, what can I learn from this story that can bring more than enough to me? First up, Jesus had time for the ordinary things in life. So he's going to show up at a wedding, and you think about who Jesus is. Jesus is uh, purported to be the very person of God in human form. I mean, he's got lots to do. He's got a world to (laughs) to turn upside down. He's got a Roman empire to blow up. I mean, he's got all these things that people expect of him. And yet, you know what? He's not missing the wedding. Mm. He's going to this little village on the road to nowhere to be with people because he was invited. And I, I think, you know... Maybe I think I don't get enough invitations to fancy things, or I don't get enough opportunities to do the spectacular. I don't have enough opportunity or chance to do what so many other people seem to do, when in fact, life is filled with more than enough if you just look around. Mm. And Jesus was a fan of the ordinary course of life, and it also tells me that the Jesus who made me is paying attention to what matters to me. If it's my wedding, the wedding of my child, the wedding of my sibling, the wedding of my friend. I mean, these are important things to me, and Jesus is willing to be right there. And and I think that in the normal course of how we view Jesus sometimes, we think, oh, I I don't want to bother him with that, or he wouldn't be interested in that. But we clearly see that the location of this wedding was like, as you said, in kind of in the middle of nowhere, uh, of no account, but there he was. And not just there, when asked, willing to participate. 
He was all in. All in. And that speaks to me about my own life. And how do I experience life abundantly? Maybe I need to pay more attention to the great opportunities I have with the friends and the people that are around me. Hmm. Now, Jesus shows up, but there's another important feature of this. Jay, did you notice this in verse 2? Why did he go to the wedding? Because he was invited. Because he was invited. You know, we, we have a sense of Jesus being omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. And, and as God, he is that. But that's different than actually being engaged or mm. intervening or, right. or interjecting himself into the course of our lives. I don't see any evidence of Jesus ever pushing himself in. He's invited. Mm. There's a famous uh, passage in Revelation where the Lord is, is described as standing at the door and knocking heart's door. And he says, if anyone will open the door and open their heart's door to me, I will come in with them and, and dine with them and, and they with me. In other words, I'm outside knocking on your door, but I'm not going to force my way in. I'm not busting the door down. I'm not going to compel you mm. to have dinner with me. I'm waiting for you to open the door because I made you with free agency. I made you with the capacity to choose. You get to choose whether you want to hang around with me or not. Mm. And this is so important because I think... This wedding, the bride and groom are not named. We don't know who they are. It's the most famous wedding in all of history because of their invitation list. And they're going to find that inviting Jesus to the wedding is really going to save their neck later on. (laughs) I want to be sure that I'm inviting Jesus before I'm in a crisis. So he's right there when the crisis unfolds that I can't predict or anticipate. And that's the story. Jesus is there because he's invited. Friends, we want you to know, invite Jesus into your life, into your world now, mm-hmm. before you're in a crisis. It doesn't mean there won't be a crisis. It just means when the crisis comes, you're going to have a lot better handle on how to have more than enough when suddenly you don't have enough. Oh, but as I'm thinking about that, I can't escape who comes to the wedding with him, his disciples, and who else is there? <laughs> his mom, his, <laughs> his mother. <laughs> okay, so mom is there. Can you think of another character in history that gets more attention than the mother of Jesus? Mm. I mean, really, we've got Jesus, and there's the prophet Muhammad, but boy, if you go around the world, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she gets a lot of of accolades. And wow, do I love what she said. Well, you know, when you think about it, she gets a lot of attention, but she's not really all over the face of Scripture, although she's there more often than some Protestants want to acknowledge. I mean, she clearly, (laughs) think about this, this is a woman out of all the billions of women Mm. ever created by God. Mm -hmm. There's only one, only one that's chosen to actually birth the Son of God, to actually bring into this world in the flesh Jesus, the very person of God in human form. When you think about that, even if she was only named one time, Mary's a standout. She's a standalone. So I'm not quarreling with those who uh, are interested in her. But the number of times she's mentioned in the scripture and the number of words actually quoted by her are pretty small. But as you just observed, Jay, Mm. she gives the sermon of a lifetime right here, doesn't she? Yes. What does she say? She said, do as he says or do whatever he tells you. She's just bridging that gap to say, Whatever he asks of you, do it. I mean, could any advice better be given? No. This is my son. Do what he tells you. Right. (laughs) So if you you recognize that Jesus is wanting to be a part of your ordinary life, and you invite him to be a part of it, your next step is just do what he says. Right. When we come back, Jay, let's talk about what that means and what that requires of us, because you might say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good to do what he says. 
unless he asks me to do something that doesn't make any sense. We'll be right back. We know that as you listen to Viewpoint today, you might have some questions, some thoughts, some comments, maybe even have something you'd like us to pray about with you. We just want you to know we're always good to hear from you. We want to hear from you, and we have a toll-free telephone line that you can call 24 hours a day and seven days a week. You won't get a recording. You'll get a live member of our team. That number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone. I'll give you the number again at the close of this broadcast, but for now, no, we do care about what you think and also about your ordinary life. Jay Harvey, we're talking about this famous story in John chapter 2 about Jesus going to a wedding 
and uh, turning some water into wine. There's a crisis here. Right. Hard for us in the modern world to kind of understand why this is a crisis. They're having a wedding, they have a reception, mm-hmm. and they've run out of wine. What's the big deal? What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, in, in those days, too, the status was so important, and, and this was going to be a monumental day, and so it'd be just a, a real bad social faux pas to run out of wine at a wedding like this. They probably couldn't just run down to the corner store like we could and pick up something extra and bring it back. So it really had the potential to, to leave a mark on them for the rest of their lives if they, did, they were not hospitable enough to provide enough wine for a wedding such as this. And it actually, I think, was especially a, a bad mark on the groom because in the culture of the time, it was the groom who was responsible for this party. Right. And the whole town would be invited. It might go on for a week, but the groom's capacity to take care of his new wife is somehow being demonstrated in the custom right. of how he manages the party. So if he's not able to calculate how much wine he needs or how many triscuits and cheese plates he has to have, or whatever it is, right. if he's not able to pull this off, is he really going to be competent to be the protector and the provider that in the context of the time, this woman and her family are expecting him to be? So if this holds, as you fairly described it, social faux pas unfolds Mm -hmm. in the public. Not only is the party kind of crashed, but his reputation going forward is going to take a long time to recover. So it really has a lot of of moment. Mm -hmm. Did Jesus know the bride and groom? Was he friends with the groom? We're not sure. He had to be invited because he was acquainted with these people. They wouldn't invite just strangers. My guess is that, again, Jesus is very interested in our lives, mm-hmm. and he's interested in this bride and groom and their families, and, and he understands it. He may realize that it's a small thing by the scope of eternity, but he feels what they feel. Mm. He understands. You know, when his mother says, they're running out of wine, you need to do something, he has this odd reply. He says, woman, my time's not yet. <laughs> and that has kind of a smackdown feel to <laughs> us, does. woman. You're calling your mother woman? Yes, right, <laughs> my, right. My woman? Right. Uh, you know, my wife and I had an exchange student from Japan who lived in our house uh, for a year in Seattle while he was a student at University of Washington, and he had great English. He was in an immersion program for English. Hmm. But as Japanese was his first language, he had one threshold he just couldn't, he couldn't recover. And that was, he always called my wife, her name is Maureen, he always called her my female, mm. which makes sense right. if you're looking at English second language, but my wife was not amused, but he'd right. say, Jim, where is your female? Or <laughs> your female went to the store. <laughs> what I'm just suggesting is sometimes when we read words, right. we think, oh, that's offensive. Right. But when Jesus said woman, actually in the context of his time, it was a very deferential thing. He was acknowledging her as this female adult in his life that he respected. And, and you know what? I'm just not sure this is my time. Mm-hmm. But for all of that, when he feels, when he sees, when he understands the crisis, and my guess is as he's watching the groom's face turn ashen white, given mm. the context, mm. he decides to jump into action. And this is where Mary's advice comes into play. Do what he says. Now, you got some servants there. They're looking at empty jars right. filled with water normally, but now empty. And he says, fill them with water. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. What good is that going to do? And one thing I notice about that story, Jim, is, is she says, do whatever he tells you. And, and that always brings us to a point of decision. We, we can invite Jesus into our life, but then maybe he'll ask you to do something that doesn't seem uh, logical. It, it wasn't just one jar. It was six. And they weren't just small jars. They were holding 20 to 30 gallons. That's I'm, a I'm lot thinking of, that's a lot, that's of, a lot of work. <laughs> right. That's a lot of work. When you think about it, it just 
is over the top, and we can divorce this story from our ordinary life and think, well, that's then and this is now. It doesn't really have application to me, but I promise you, there have been times when I invited Jesus into my ordinary life, and he said to me, you need to forgive that guy. And I'm thinking, no, that doesn't make any sense. Right. I was wronged. Right. And that guy needs to pay a price. Yes. But he said, forgive him. And see, it's the same thing exactly. If I want more than enough life, I have to do what he says. And I've learned that I have to forgive because there's so much more life there than playing it by common sense and holding a grudge. Similarly, uh, I've had moments, and maybe you have too, Jay, where the Lord said, give that away. Mm. (laughs) No, I'm not giving that away. That doesn't make any sense. I earned that. I worked for that. I need that. If I give that to them, they'll just abuse it. They'll squander. I mean, there's all kinds of arguments to prevent me from doing what clearly the Lord has impressed me to do. It's Mm. the same scenario. Right. But when I disobey, the life is sucked out of me. And even though I might prevail with my will, Mm -hmm. I don't feel life. But when I make that choice to obey, when I surrender and just do it, fill up the jars already, Jim, Mm -hmm. there's something about life that floods into me too. And of course, the outcome of obedience in defiance of what we might say common sense, is what? The best for last. Mm -hmm. A a terrific resolution, a a supernatural covering of what could have been an awful failure. And going back to what you said, we start the program with just the the story that everyone knows, the the feeding of the 5,000. The concept is the same. Bring me what you have. Well, how are you going to feed us all with, with that? But once you put it into his hands, you don't know what the possibilities are. And I, I always imagine myself as one of those servants uh, filling it with water and why they said to fill it to the brim. Because after about three jars and about halfway up, I'm like, what? It's just water anyway. What are we doing? We're wasting our time. Why don't we just fill them all up halfway? That'll be good enough. But he said to the brim, only Jesus knew that it was going to become wine and that they needed all of it to celebrate this wedding. And and just like you, Jim, there's so many times where I think, I've known Jesus long enough. I know how this works. And I've invited him in, but I'm not going to do that because, you know, I, I think I just, I know him well enough. But there's always something about how he calls you, how he is continually wanting to grow you, that he'll ask you to keep doing more that causes you to have to obey, that causes you to have to put your faith in him once again uh, for what he's going to do. And, And in retrospect, that's why I love him so. More than enough in a world of not enough. Jesus is interested in your ordinary life. He's willing to come alongside if you just invite him. And then you have to be willing to obey him. And he will ask you to do some things that don't come naturally. But if you're willing to take the dare, I promise you, you can see things that are literally supernatural. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are in life today, whatever your journey, whatever the wedding party you're planning to attend, or even if you're just not certain what to do next, we want to invite you to allow Jesus to come alongside and to walk with you day by day. You can take a step that way right now by praying with us. Take a deep breath and know that God is hearing, he's listening, Jesus is close by. Our Father, we're so thankful today for this story from Cana Galilee and that it's been preserved and protected for us these 20 centuries on to bless us and, and to learn from it. And we pray, Lord, that we'll find abundant life in the lessons drawn here. 
We thank you that Jesus is willing to come along with us, that our lives do not have to be spectacular and we do not have to be a headline. We do not have to be a celebrity, that he loves us and knows us as much as anyone else. And we pray, Lord, that we will have the wisdom to invite him. And Lord, it's scary sometimes to invite you in because I know that if you're alongside, I may not go some places I want to go and I may not do some things that I might otherwise have done. And so I'm surrendering, Lord, by inviting you in, but I know that's where life is. And so I invite you, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make of me a new person. Cause me to be born again. And now help me to obey your call day by day, that I might have more than enough in this world of not enough. We thank you so much, Lord, for hearing our prayer. And I believe there are people listening, listening to this broadcast right now who are making decisions to invite Jesus. Honor them, Lord. And before the week ends, may they understand absolutely that they are now in the company of Jesus and they are going to have more than enough. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus, if you'd like to know more about how you can find life in Jesus' name, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. Please give us a call. And Jay, if someone would prefer not to call us, but rather check us out online, what's that web address? Sure, Jim. That would be www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's what we are. We're broadcasting hope. cbhviewpoint.org. Check out the ministry. Send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, if you prefer, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up on the phone, whether you reach out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Jay Harvey, always glad to be with you. Always glad to be here. What a great topic. Hey, and take in a few weddings this week, why don't you? Sure, I will. And you too. We're so glad you joined us listening to Viewpoint this week. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.